This episode of Brain Injury and Beyond discusses certain medical procedures in detail and may be triggering for some listeners. This episode contains discussions about self-harm and suicide and may be triggering for some listeners. If you or a loved one is suffering from suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. I am not associated with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, but they save lives every day. Hi, I'm Jess, and this is Brain Injury and Beyond. Yesterday, I uploaded my first episode, and that was about the events leading up to my brain injury, as well as how my brain injury happened. And today I'm going to get into the aftermath of the my brain injury, and I'll probably do two or three episodes about the aftermath, because it's it's kind of hard to talk to talk about all at once. It'll just it'll take a few a few tries to get it all in. And then after that, I will be taking questions. You can follow me on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is Brain Injury and Beyond. And I am also on Facebook. And it's exactly the same, Brain Injury and Beyond. And you'll be able to message me on those, those two platforms and send me stories or questions or anything else you want. Just always be positive. I'll delete the negative messages. Every every one of them, I'll delete them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I left off yesterday when I was in the ICU. And I spent a total of 17 days in the ICU. But the, the first three days that I was there, there was only... They only gave me a 50-50 chance of survival... And they, they really had no idea if I was going to make it or not. And I'm told that on the on the third day, the doctor, I got an MRI. And when the MRI results came in, the, um, the doctor, Dr. X, that actually caused my brain injury, the one that made the mistake, he said, he looked at my parents and he said, oh, the, the blood clot is gone. She's going to be fine. And then he just left the room with that. But the thing is, my parents didn't know that I had a blood clot in my brain. Nobody told a, told them. They all conveniently left that out. Because, because it was their mistake. It was one of the doctor's mistakes. So they just didn't want to say anything until it was either going to be a problem or not going to be a problem. And at this point, it wasn't a problem anymore, which that was very, very wrong and unethical unethical of them to do, which you, you all probably agree. Um, the ICU, I actually remember way more about the ICU than I really should because I, I was mostly unconscious during that time. But I remember, I think it was the third or the fourth day that I was in the ICU and my mom left my phone w- where I could reach it. And when she went into the other room to talk to my grandmother on the phone, um, I reached the phone and I was somehow oriented enough to get in- into my phone and make a call. And I called my best friend and I told her that they weren't letting me get to 
letting me get up to go to the bathroom and that she needed to go up there and drive the two hours and come get me because I needed to get out and they, they were being mean. But my mom, my mom comes in during this conversation and she just snatches the phone from me and she tells Elena what actually happened and what was actually happening because some, I mean, somebody had to tell her because I wasn't telling her what was actually happening. I was telling her my view of what was happening, which was pretty bad. Um, I laugh about that now, to be honest. We all do. And so, yeah, but there were some, there were some really, really interesting phone calls that I made. Really interesting text messages. My mom let me have my phone, and I, I would text people thinking that they were somebody else. So it was just, like, a hot mess, and nobody knew what I was talking about. But I think they pretty much, they all understood, because I was, I mean, obviously, brain damage. So I wasn't completely oriented. And I remember in the ICU, I remember the, um, they actually had therapy dogs that visited several times a week and I absolutely loved the therapy dogs I love animals and in, in the first place but these these dogs were so awesome because they just they would just sit ne- near me and I would get to pet them and it just really relaxed me and it made me not feel so bad about being there and I was just, I remember being really upset that I didn't get to see my cat because my parents my parents weren't able to bring the cat to come see me, obviously, because it was a two-hour drive. And he wouldn't have liked being there anyways, even if he was allowed there. Um, I remember my my um my half of my head was shaved when they performed the craniotomy. And I didn't, I didn't really know it. It wasn't, it didn't process within my head until one night my mom forgot to change, my mom forgot to close the blinds before it got dark. And then I was able to see my reflection in the window and I could see that half of my hair was gone. And I, I didn't, I couldn't even cry at that point, which happens sometimes after a brain injury, you just, you can't cry. And I, I forget what, there's a neurological reason for that, but I forget what it is. I'll look that up. And I just remember, I, I, I was just looking at my reflection and just running my fingers over over where where I was bald now. And I was just so, I was so devastated because I just, I had really long, really, really long, really, really pretty hair at the time. And that was just something that I was a little bit, I was never really obsessed with looks or even a really a vain person or anything but I was I mean I was all about my hair I loved my hair and took good care of it and it was devastating to me that it was gone like it was it was it was sad and it was really upsetting and I know that it was hard for my mom to see me that upset over something that she couldn't even do anything about because no, nobody can do anything about it at this point, obviously. Because I still I still had stitches and everything. And there was one evening that my, my nurses and my mom were all working on washing my hair. But some of my hair got matted 
because of the um stuff that they put on my head to um to keep it to keep my wound from getting infected because I had a really long horseshoe shaped incision and a bunch of staples and then the, there was the 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 monitor was the monitor was coming out of my head like an antenna like kind of like an alien or an astronaut or whatever you want to call it and then I also had a tube coming out of my head and the tube was literally it's gonna get graphic here so bear with me the tube was literally going in and it was it was draining the um the blood that rushed into my brain cavity it was draining draining my um brain cavity of the blood and the, the and that blood was like going through the little tube and going into a little bag that was on an IV stand next to the bed and i so i had i had a lot of ivs coming out of me at that point i had a i had an iv on my ankle from the blood transfusion and they just never took it out and then i had the catheter that was from from down from my um down there parts and it went to the little bag that the the urine goes into and then i had an iv that was giving me fluids and they had to give me morphine and stuff through that and i imagine that they probably gave me antibiotics through that too and yeah that was just, it was just a lot of a lot of holes in my arms and my legs and that that wasn't fun. That was very uncomfortable. Um, and the my last day in the ICU, they came. This guy came and he said that he was taking the monitor, the monitor out, and he was going to take the staples out and the tube and everything, and all that fun stuff. And I was really excited because I remember when I fir- when I was first there and I could bear I could see the little bag that was draining the blood from my head which was which was very very lovely and beautiful. No, just kidding. It was gross. But like I remember what the first day looking at it and I saw that it was just like thick blood. It was like basically all blood. And then gradually every day it got less and less blood colored and more clear and now the liquid on that day it was clear now which is the the fluid that's in your brain cavity is supposed to be clear so yay me mine was clear and this guy I don't even remember what his job title was really but he came and he he just he took that that tube out and he did one stitch and then to close that hole and then a few days later the guy the guy came back again but he had this huge needle it was enormous never i have never seen such a big needle still and i still haven't seen one since and he said this is the numbing thing and i said no i don't want it i don't want it and then they just you know they've stuck that numbing needle into my head which was very, very painful. And then I was nice and numb and I didn't feel it. So I didn't feel anything as he was taking the staples out. Like I felt like a pulling sensation when he was taking the staples out and he put them all into his little plastic container. And there was, there was a little, little bit of blood still, but not, not, not much at all. And 
35 staples later, he was done and all those staples were gone. And that was my last day in the ICU before I went to a general floor for three and a half days. And they, when, when I was there, they kind of just, they monitored my, my um, seizures that I was having. Yes, I was having seizures because of the brain injury. And they were just, they were monitor, monitoring that and they were making sure I wasn't going to get an infection. And they were waiting for me to have a place at a rehab center here in my hometown. And I guess that's it for today. So on that note, I'll, I'll go. And thanks for bearing with me. Love you. Peace out.